Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. What a blessing it is to have you here today. Um, and uh, there's uh, in about an hour, there'll be a few more people walking in um, because of the time change. If you don't have like a, a smartphone or something that changes automatically, this it's a dangerous day. So uh, it's great to have you here and I'm excited about the day. God's got a big plan for us. Uh, can we just take a moment? I, want, I feel the need to pray for you to receive this message because I believe that God's going to transform hearts today. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just open our hearts to your word. Lord, I believe that you desire more than anything, to help people today, encourage them, strengthen them, give them that sense of hope and encouragement, Lord, that uh, only your word can bring. So, Lord, I pray that uh, today as we talk about um, the the loneliness in our hearts, I pray that you help us to understand what can uh, change our our sense of, of loneliness, what can hack that loneliness and give us a solution to the problem. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. Life hacks are teachings from the Bible that help solve the big and small issues of life. Life hacks are teachings from the Bible that help solve the big and small issues of life. And today we're going to address loneliness, which I think is a big problem. And the more I studied it, the more I understand it, um, it is a massive problem, especially in our country here in America. The definition of a life hack is simply this, an often creative strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more productive and efficient way. How many would say the feeling of loneliness is not an efficient use of our emotional energy? Would you agree with that? Yeah, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like you, you don't have friends, you don't have people in your life, you don't have this connection, um, then you are probably spending a lot of an emotional energy um, feeling something that is, uh, and, and I'm going to say this in a very respectful way, it's, it's an unnecessary emotion, especially for you and me as Christians. And for uh, if you're not a Christian and you're here, you're going to discover that God has an answer to your loneliness. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Loneliness is the absence of meaningful humor, human interaction. It's the absence of connection. We don't have uh, enough connection. It's the sense of being alone in your circumstance. It's that idea that no one understands what you're really going through. Have you ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but have you ever been there where you feel like, man, nobody gets what I'm going through. Nobody understands. It's the same, it's that sense of having no value. I can't do anything right. Have you ever felt that? Just things, I can't do anything right. And therefore, I don't belong. I don't, I don't have this place that I belong to. And when you don't have that place, when you don't have that sense of belonging, um, you feel like, man, nothing's going right. Nothing, I don't have any connection. I don't, no one loves me. All these kinds of feelings and emotions. Well, here's what I discovered in my study about loneliness. Is that one out of three adults in America say they're lonely. Some statistics say 50%. Uh, two out of every four or one out of every two, or five out of every 10. I'm really good with math. But some, some statistics say that uh, that, that many people in America are lonely. 
is crazy. People who are lonely are 50% more likely to die before their time. Oh my goodness. That's the impact that loneliness can have on us. Loneliness is as risky as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you're feeling lonely, and these are studies, these are, you know, big studies that have been done over over, uh, in our our, uh, country. Uh, Gen Z, which is the ages of 18 to 22 right now, say they're the loneliest generation ever. They're the most connected group of people with their phones and with the internet, and with Instagram, and with TikTok, and with all these different tools at their hands, but they're still the loneliest generation. Of 20,000 adults, 56% said they don't know one person who knows them well. That's crazy number. 20,000 people. People who seek material possessions as a sign of success feel more lonely. Isn't that amazing? Loneliness is a fundamental mismatch between relationships we have and the relationships we want. So you can have all kinds of people in your life, but if you don't have the one relationship or the two or the four that meet your needs, you're still lonely. Loneliness, what we do to cope with loneliness is what is most damaging. That's what's most damaging. That's why it's so dangerous as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. The attempt to medicate loneliness with less satisfying and temporary solutions like food, drugs, social media, false attention, work are the things that create damage to our lives and to our physical lives, to our emotional lives. And since since the 1980s, people are reporting to be lonely. The, The people reporting to be lonely has doubled since the 1980s. Since we got all this internet, since we got all this social media, since we got all these things, it's doubled in the amount of people that are feeling lonely. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel lonely just talking about this. Here's some signs of loneliness, okay? I can't stop binge watching. It's very, very popular today to binge watch shows and to spend all your time alone in front of the TV watching these shows. Watching these shows and, and, and uh, you're constantly tired. There's weight gain. Believe it or not, this is a crazy one. You like long, hot showers. That's a sign of loneliness. Here's why. I, I read on that a little bit more. I'm like, that's weird. Because you like the warmth that it brings and the same emotion that you have in a long hot shower is the same feeling of having someone hug you or welcome you or engage you in a very personal level. Okay? And it's just water. You care a lot about materialism. You're constantly sick. Lots of social media. There's, you make mountains out of molehills. Mountains out of molehills. Ask yourself that question. Am I making, is it, is it my, kind of my, my, my practice to over-respond, to overreact to the things that are going on in your life? That's all lonely things. And I don't know about you, but it, man, I was like, oh, wow, that, some of those things have applied. If you're a leader in the room, you know what loneliness feels like. Especially if you've tried to raise the level of something you're involved in. 
especially if we've tried to raise the bar and bring it up to a higher level, it gets lonely up there when you're trying to raise that bar and you're trying to, to bring something to a higher level, a bigger, a, a better place to be. Um, there's been songs all throughout history about loneliness. All by myself. Right? You, can you sing the rest of that? I can't. All by myself. Da-da-da-da. Okay. One is the loneliest. Number. You guys are listening to secular music? Oh, my goodness. Just, just kidding. There's all kinds of songs. Loneliness is as dangerous as physical inactivity, smoking, obesity, the abuse of alcohol. Loneliness reduces lifespan, contributes to dementia, develops anxiety, and causes cardiovascular disease. Can you believe it? Isn't that great to come to church and just hear all this good news? Well, the beauty is that loneliness is something that we can treat. It's something that we can deal with. It's something that, especially as Christians, we should be able to overcome. And I'm not saying that if you're feeling lonely today, I would imagine that we're not far from the percentage of, of what America uh, is experiencing today. We should be above or better than that percentage for sure. But as Christians, we need to understand that there is a, a place where we can find our needs to be met, especially in connection, both human and spiritual. And so we're going to talk about how that problem develops and what, what we can do about it. Our loneliness, if you use your loneliness and instead of as a negative, use it as a positive. Use it as a, a, like you would a thermometer. Okay, if you want to know if you're sick or not, you, you take your, your temperature, right? And you go, oh, oh. 99.9. Okay, I have a fever. Something's going wrong. If you do that with loneliness and go, okay, I'm feeling lonely. I have this emotion of loneliness. Then um, you can use that as a barometer and say, or a temperature or a thermometer and say, uh, I am lonely. Therefore, I'm missing something. Something's missing in my life and I can fix it. And I can fix it. And we'll, we'll talk more about how to fix it in just a few moments. <clears throat> So how do we fix loneliness? I want you to go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, and we're going to deal with nine verses or ten verses. Let me give you some context for this passage of Scripture. The, the prophet Elijah is involved in this, and, and the prophet Elijah is an amazing guy. He believed he had amazing faith in God. He had amazing faith in what God can do. And he went to, on behalf of God, he challenged these Baal worshipers. One of the missions for uh, Elijah was to go to the, 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 the nation of Israel and say, hey, guys, we cannot be participants in worshiping other gods. And the culture in that day was to worship Baal. And so he challenged the, the, the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, to uh, this, this, this challenge of being able to sacrifice to their God. And so the 450 uh, prophets of Baal built their altar, and, the 400, or, and, and uh, Elijah, all by himself, built his altar. 
And then he challenged these, these prophets and said, okay, you guys go ahead. Let's see what your God can do. And they asked their God to bring fire down on their altar and, and, and consume the, the altar and no success. In fact, he chided them. He said, maybe your God is in the restroom. You know, that's as far as he went is to chide them and, and to, to insult them and to say, hey, you guys aren't, aren't cutting it. And then he went ahead and he poured water on his altar and he did all kinds of things to make it almost impossible for his, his uh, sacrifice to, be, to, to, to catch fire. But then God honored Elijah's faith and, and uh, God came down and just in, in, a, in a fury of flames consumed that altar. And what ended up happening is all 450 prophets died. Okay, that's really bad for the Baal economy. Okay, it's not good. And so what happened is there's a, a king named Ahab and his wife named Jezebel. And actually, Ahab was not a good king, but Jezebel was even worse as a wife. And, and that's, that, she was an evil lady. She was a, a terrible lady. She had a terrible uh, temper. And what she decided she would do is create this fear in Elijah and say, we're going to kill Elijah. And so Elijah got scared, like I think. A normal person would. But Elijah's not supposed to be normal. Nor are we. Nor are we. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. We are not supposed to be normal. But listen to this. When the enemy has a, 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 a finds your weak spot, he's going to use it. He's going to, he's going to prod that weak spot. He's going to poke that weak spot. He's going to threaten that weak spot. And if he can find it, he's going to do everything he can to diminish our value, our worth, our, our sense of security, our identity. He's going to do everything he can to take it away from us. And so I want you to listen to this story because it's an amazing story. 1 Kings 19, 9. And the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, let me just say this right off the bat. When God says what, he's not asked. It's, it's a rhetorical question, okay? Because he, he knows. He already knows what you're doing. He already understands what you're going through. He already understands what you've been through, okay? But he always wants us to acknowledge in faith who he is and what he's doing. Now listen to, to what uh, uh, Elijah does. He, <clears throat> well, his answer, could, his answer was kind of like, well, I, th I thought I would run from Jezebel. And I thought I'd just get, God, I'm, I'm scared. He didn't say that, though. He didn't say what was really happening inside. He said this in verse 10. He said, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He begins to tout his resume. He says, man, God, I am one of the best prophets you've got. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. What does he do there? He blames. Right? He's blaming. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel entitled to have everything go our way, right? Everything should go our way. Everything should be the perfect plan. Everything, if that were true, sin would have never entered this planet. It, it didn't go the whole way that God wanted it to go, right? People sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. They took a bite of the jalapeno. By the way, there are jalapenos out there, and they're perfectly pure and clean. Okay, they've been prayed over. They've been, well, they don't need prayer. They're just a blessing. <clears throat> Elijah begins to tout his zealousness. God, I've served you. I've given you. I, I just, did you, he forgot actually what just happened. That God consumed his uh, offering and did not, and, and Baal did not consume that offering and 450 prophets died at the hand of God and he forgot about all that because now he's focusing on the fear of Jezebel. And, he, and God's going, why are you here? He's in a cave. He's in a cave. And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. I deserve to be treated differently than the way I'm treated right now. The Israelites, those people you sent me to, they have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Remember, Elijah's mission was to go and tell the people of Israel not to worship Baals. And so he's feeling like a failure right now. I don't know about you, but if you feel like a failure, you're probably feeling alone. If you feel like you're not succeeding, if you feel like you're not accomplishing the mission that God has set before you, if you feel like you're not getting where God wants you to go, and you're not doing what God wants you to do, and you're not seeing that raise come in your job, well, that can all be a sense of, of what's happening in your lonely feeling. And then he says this. He says, I am the only one left. Really? This is, that, this is that emotion that says, no one really understands. No one, no one gets me. No one understands me. No one grasps me. Remember the, the, the lonely feeling is that 56% of the people say, of 20,000 people said, I don't know anyone who knows me well. And those people are saying, no one really gets me. No one understands. I'm all alone in this world. Loneliness. And they are trying to kill me too. Everyone's against me. No one's for me. It was cool. I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago um, that I'm blessed with some really, really good friends. And I had another friend this morning. I, I don't know. Oh, there's my phone. Um, he said this. A buddy of mine named Dwayne. We've been friends since college which um, Moses and I went to college together. But let me, get, let me get this text. He said, preach the word this morning, my friend. I prayed for God's anointing as you lead and preach today. And if you are off today, the Lord will likely apply it to next week. <laughs> I'm not alone. I'm so blessed to have really, really good friends. And he's one of those friends that... Um, I'm blessed to 
be able to share anything with. Goes nowhere. I can share anything. If I'm going through a difficult time in my marriage or if I'm just personally having struggles or whatever the case may be, I can say, Dwayne, let's talk. And he talks and he listens. And he's such a great guy. And he has this radio voice. If you, if, if you talk to Dwayne, you, hello. I, I can't even do it. <clears throat> he's amazing. He had no friends. He felt like he was absolutely alone. And, and I just want to ask this morning, and I'm, I, I'm purposely trying to tug on your emotions a little bit because I want you to feel this message. I want you to feel what Elijah's feeling. Maybe you've been called to do something and you don't feel like it's succeeding. Maybe you've been asked to, to, to speak to someone and they didn't accept your words. Maybe you're in a relationship that is just going sideways and you're feeling like, what in the world is going on here? Why isn't this working out? Maybe you have an enemy that just keeps prodding at you and poking you. Jezebel is an evil, evil woman. And she is doing everything she can to to use her authority and her relationship through her husband to create fear into a man of God. Is that happening to you? Is there someone in your life that is just prodding you and poking you and and creating this emotion that's like, oh, I'm so frustrated. And you feel like you're in despair. You don't feel like that's happening to anybody else around you, but it's only you. You're probably feeling pretty lonely. Then the Lord said in verse 11, He said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It's an interesting thought here, and there's a lot of parallels to what happened when Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, when there was all kinds of uh, uh, experiences that Moses had along with what Elijah is about to experience. But God does this amazing thing for Elijah. He explains himself with an illustration. He explains himself with this really cool illustration. He he shows Moses something that is very, very, or I'm sorry, Elijah. He shows Elijah something very, very powerful. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. So Elijah's standing on the edge of the cave, and all of a sudden he he starts to feel the wind blow. And all of a sudden, that wind just starts moving him, and it's moving the trees, and it's moving the bushes, and it's moving, and it's blowing things apart. It's just taking the the the, the nature is just opening up, and and the wind is blowing hard, and and we don't know if that's God's breath, you know, maybe God coughed. <laughs> I can't imagine God coughing, but maybe He did. I just imagined it. it came to my mind. The wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, rumble, shake. Oh my goodness, stability is lost. And the ground shakes, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. The fire blows through and burns everything up and the heat rises and I can imagine Elijah's like shielding his face. God didn't speak in these events. He revealed himself in these events. 
He didn't didn't say anything, but he did. Because at his command, even nature obeys. Elijah lost sight of the voice of God. He he lost his, his hearing because he was hiding in a cave from who? Not God, but Jezebel. Not God, the one that came down and consumed his his offering that was wet with water. He lost his hearing. He lost his his faith. He lost his perspective. And I, I would imagine that all of us, at some point in time, I know I have, when you go through these times, these difficult times, you lose sight of the voice of God. You lose sight of the power of God. You lose sight of everything that God is because you're in this despair, this loneliness, this sense of I, no one gets it. No one understands. Maybe even God doesn't get it. And in verse 12, it says this, And after the fire came a gentle whisper. You say that to your neighbor, a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. After wind that tore everything apart, after an earthquake that shook everything, after a fire that consumed everything, a gentle whisper. We kind of want the loud voice, don't we? If God would just speak up, if he would just go, hey, and make himself clear. Maybe you don't want him to yell, but just speak in an elevated voice to some degree. But a whisper, a whisper, I love you. I'm here. Did you see that? Even nature obeys my Will you just listen instead of wanting this big, loud thing? Will you just hear me? A gentle whisper. A gentle whisper comes after these mean, powerful, incredible things that God, it's just showing his power. Without even speaking a word, he reveals that nature obeys him. He's still in control. That Jezebel is not the king of this universe. That Jezebel will not defeat his prophet. That Jezebel will not overcome him. That Jezebel will not be the one who wins in the, in the end. That is why the wind blew and the earth shook and the fire consumed. And then that voice, that whisper says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Remember that was the first question? Then he asks again. (laughs) And Elijah says the same thing. He says the same thing. He replied, I've been a very zealous, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. What is going on in Elijah's head? I'll tell you what's going on in Elijah's head. Not the power of God could shake his sense of entitlement. It went from humility to pride. 
saying, God, I serve you and I am a faithful servant of you and I do not deserve to be treated like this. And what lonely people do is they begin to believe that what they are experiencing is not what they deserve, that they deserve far more than what they're experiencing or what they're getting. Let's, let's make one thing clear. We are the messenger. We're not the responsible for the response. But Elijah took on the responsibility of the response. Elijah took on the responsibility of, of thinking that no one out there, everyone is bowing their knee to Baal. God, I, what you have me doing is a waste of time. Please, God, do not waste my time. I've been very zealous for you, and look what's happened. And maybe you're thinking in your life, look, I'm faithful at work, and I'm being treat, mistreated. I'm faithful at home, and I'm being mistreated. I'm faithful in my community. I'm being mistreated. I'm faithful. That's that's not your job. You don't have to worry about how you're being treated. It's what you're doing to obey the Lord. It's what you're doing to obey the Lord. But when we get in this despair, poor me, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. Everybody else is making mistakes. Nobody's obeying God. I'm the only one, God, that's really doing my thing. And, and yeah, if you think that way, you're going to feel that way. It's lonely. It's lonely. It's a great statement that I learned a long time ago. You defend what you love. So be, be careful when you defend yourself. Because when we love ourselves so much that we can't allow someone to speak into our lives, and we can't let life kind of help us understand perspective, when we, can't, when we get so defensive... And so a sense of entitlement that we can't uh, get past our ache and our pain, then we have no opportunity to learn. I like what one other person said. There's always something to learn from our critics. There's always something to learn from these bad experiences as well as our good ones. The Lord said, and here's the, here's the hack. Here's the hack to loneliness. And it's not going to be the one that we want to hear. I know you want to hear God is your friend, and he is. I know you want to hear God is always present, and he is. I know you want to hear God is this comfort God, and he'll never let you feel that angst of pain or that discouragement from rejection or that pain of, of, of seeing uh, an effort that you think is wasted He's not going to hold that back. He's not going to hold that back. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that doesn't love God in many cases. And we live in a world that doesn't make life easy. But we are, responsibility, we are responsible to continue to maintain obedience. He says this. The Lord doesn't go, oh, poor Elijah. I know, you've been so zealous for me. You know what? Let's just make life easy for you. Let's just make it simple. Let's just, I'll take you away from Jezebel. I'll kill Jezebel. I'll kill Ahab. And we'll just put this, in, let's create this nice, happy little environment for you. 
He didn't do that. Listen to what he did in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. What? What? Go back the way you came. Go back into that place where Jezebel has influence. Go back to that place where she is. Go back to that place. Yes, Elijah, I want you to go back to your purpose, not your plight. I want you to go back to that place where you belong. Because where you belong is the most fulfilling place you can be. Go to that place where you belong, and that is in the will of God. Go back and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, <coughs> from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any, any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Go back and be a prophet, Elijah. Go back and do what I have called you to do, because there is nothing more satisfying than being in the will of God. I struggled with this at first when I started studying and I started praying. I said, God, I want to give the people a, a sense of your comfort. I want to tell them that, yeah, the, the Lord is always present. There is no need to feel alone. I don't know that God is saying that we are going to feel that comfort. In this world today, go and preach on the street corner and see how this world responds. Yes, there will be some people that respond to you well. But not everybody. The ministry of the church today is not a, a ministry that's going to be simple and easy and comfortable. It's going to be something that takes us out of our, our comfort zone. It's going to make us uh, feel that, that alone sense because we're standing for something. We're swimming up this stream of compromise and mediocrity. And God is calling us to a radical commitment to him to see lives changed. God is calling Elijah back to where he belongs. See, Elijah, the reason you're feeling so lonely is because you are alone. I ha you have removed yourself from the place you belong in my will. And church, I, I want to encourage all of us, myself included, the best place to be, to feel most satisfied, to feel the most comfort, to feel the most strength in our lives is exactly where God wants us to be. And instead of running to this cave and going, oh, I don't like Jezebel. Oh, I don't like the complications of this planet. Oh, I don't like the things that it br br brings to us. He's saying, come back, go back the way you came because that's where you belong. And when we get back there, we find not only God, who is our strength, who is our comfort, who is our peace, who is everything we need, we also discover that the people that we are ministering to and with are there. Listen, listen. In verse, <coughs> in the very last verse, 
it says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. 7,000 people, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. See, when you think you're alone, you're not. When you think you haven't succeeded, those are people that responded to Elijah's message. Don't bow down. And God is saying, Elijah, you haven't failed. People heard the message. People decided not to bow down to Baal. People decided to give themselves to the Lord. People have not bowed down and worshiped Baal or kissed his feet. They have stood strong, and today you are a success. You are not alone. But your fear of Jezebel caused you to walk away and never see that. God's doing so many things through each of us. God's doing things that if, as long as we're obedient, it's not up to us to read the, the, the responses. It's up to God to bring the fruit. And when we are obedient, we will see that God has done amazing things. Why are we feeling lonely? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that we're not succeeding. We're afraid that we're, we're, uh, uh, we're going to be rejected. Why are we hesitant to even go and obey God? Because we're afraid of the responses we've seen. I don't know about you. If you watch the news, it's hard to stand up for Jesus today. You just tell people that you're, you're a Christian. You tell people that you belong to Jesus. And immediately you're put in a, a profile that, that makes you look like you're unacceptable in our, our, our culture today. When in reality, all we have to do is be obedient. Yeah, the response might not be great, but the fruit is being brought up by God. The fruit is being brought up by God. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling lonely. You are not alone. First of all, all of us go through this stuff. We could be the Lonely Hearts Club band. We could be that group of people that are, yeah, we feel lonely, but we're all, at least we're all together. We're not really alone. And in our obedience, God shows up. And I love what God showed Elijah. I'm still in control. Nature obeys me. Will you? Nature obeys me. Will you? Go back where you belong. Go back where, where God has you. And here's the bottom line to this morning. O avoid engaging the fear. Don't fear Jezebel. Yeah, she talks a lot. And yeah, she may have this position of influence. But she's not more powerful than God. God is in control. And he is all powerful. God is showing up and His presence is here. And we can be confident that if we're in His will, we're in His presence. Elijah felt lonely. Oh man, God, where are you? What's going on? And yeah, you're going to feel lonely when you're not in His will. And when you're fulfilling your purpose and when we're fulfilling that thing that God has called each of us to do, we will be fruitful and satisfied and, and, and feel that comfort that comes from the sense of obedience rather than the sense of running in fear. And lastly, 
I want to encourage you. You have a tribe that you belong to. And if you feel alone, you're not. You have a family. This, this body right here, this group of people will support you. I've seen it time and time again. I've been in ministry 35 years, and I've yet to be in a body of true Christians who don't support each other. I've seen the nipping and the, 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 the backbiting every once in a while, and I've seen it go ugly and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, those who truly love Jesus love other people who love Jesus. And you're not alone. You just got to make it known. You just got to make it known. You can't hide in a cave. You got to come out and see what God's doing in other people's lives. And let's lean into each other rather than lean out. Let me pray with you. God, I believe that you today are calling us back to where we came from, that place where we know that we belong. And that is in your will, in your presence, in your power, walking in faith, believing that you are able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. I believe, God, that you are calling people right now to get back in the saddle instead of off that, out of that saddle and into that, that isolation place. Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will just impact our lives and help us to know, God, that we are not alone, that there is no need to be lonely, that we, in your will, will find comfort and companionship and satisfaction and hope instead of that entitled feeling, God, that we don't deserve these feelings. Help us, God, to overcome that and help us to walk in your will. Forgive us, God, for not being there. I hurt for you because I know the feeling. And God just so much wants to, to wrap his arms around you and say, come on, let's go do my will. Let's be part of what I've planned for you. And as you follow my plan, you'll feel more satisfaction than ever and I will give you that companionship. I'll give you that friendship. I'll give you that place where you know that you belong. Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would minister to those that have raised their hands, that you would encourage them, be the lifter of their heads. Help them, God, not to experience the sense of loneliness, but the sense of fulfillment that comes from being in your will, in your power, and walking in faith in you. And you, God, will provide all the other things that are necessary for our heart to feel satisfied. I pray that the power of your Spirit would move through this room right now and heal and transform and deliver those that are feeling that sense of abandonment and loneliness. God, I believe that you're working this moment to be the lifter of those heads, to be the strength of those spirits, to be the hope of those hearts, God, that are, are missing and wanting so much to feel like they belong and are not alone. You understand more than anybody, God, and I pray that you bless them now in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.